0: Uh Aha, ha, ha, ha. Yeah! What did it do? What's going on welcome to episode number 753 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, July the 30th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at On Raptors. Where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast today. The podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. More on them and how you can save money on car parts a little bit later on. All right, on today's show, we are mercifully through the rigors of the three-game scrimmage schedule. We don't have to talk about meaningless basketball anymore. Thursday, the actual NBA returns to play. Uh, we got the Pelicans and Jazz playing in addition to the Clippers and Lakers. It's very exciting stuff. Uh, We've gotten through. They've gone now two weeks without a positive test inside the bubble, so... Things seem to be holding up pretty well for right now, which is good and nice, and we'll cross our fingers that that continues because, boy, uh, would it suck if uh, people got sick, and hopefully that is not going to be the case. Either way, we got basketball to talk about, and we have the Raptors playoff run to talk about, and on today's show, we're going to kind of dive into just sort of the idea of what would success mean for the Raptors in this, this postseason? What is success? How far do they get, or how far do they have to get, in the, or uh, lest we all be disappointed in sad that they underperformed expectations all that stuff and uh, we're also gonna do some predictions and joining me to do those things is our pal making his second appearance on the podcast it's s barahenny how's it going buddy
1: i'm good man i'm good thanks for having on, having me on as usual
0: yeah, man. Thanks for uh, coming back on the show. I'm glad it didn't scare you away the first time. That's always good. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> on, on today's show, uh, we're going to dive into, again, like I said, the, the Raptors and sort of the idea of success going into this bubble. And I mean, look, I think the goalposts, I think it's fair to say, have certainly moved in terms of expectations and the hopes and dreams of Raptors fans since the season started. I know, you know most people were much higher on the team than sort of the general NBA punditry was coming into the season. And so I think, you know, a first round exit, for example, would have been, you know, in some eyes, a success for the Raptors. And I think Raptors fans eyes, eyes, probably a bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, but from then on, I think, you know, anything from a second round noble, you know, ouster at the hands of a good team to making the finals was kind of in the realm of expectation and possibility. And obviously with how good they've been winning 46 of their 64 games, you know, it's gotten, I think, a little bit heavier in terms of expectations of what people want to see from this team. So as I ask you, what constitutes success for this Raptors team? Is it a finals run? Is it a championship or is it something a little
1: more modest? Well I think you I think you brought up a good point which is perspective, right? Like if you're if you're talking from Sam Mitchell's perspective at the start of the year, yeah, this is probably more than he expected at any point in time with that eight. I think he he actually took us out of the playoffs or he had us eighth. I'm not sure what it was, but like he had the this, Raptors
0: eighth and Dennis Scott had them out of the playoffs. had them out,
1: right? Okay, Well, even if you're looking at Dennis Scott right now, he's probably he's probably saying, wow, this really exceeded any expectation I had for the Raptors. but <laughs> um, I do think it's a little bit of perspective at this point though. Um, I think a lot of Raptors fans are talking about it. It's the series that we've all wanted for a couple of different playoff runs and it's never really come to fruition. I think it's the Boston Celtics series and, mm-hmm. and he's looking forward to beating the Celtics. That's, that's the number one thing. We, we always see the banter between Celtics and Raptors fans on Twitter. And I think for it to come to fruition into an actual NBA playoff series that has legitimate you know consequences and repercussions to it. I think that would add to the fun and, and, the number one thing I think would be to beat Boston, at least for me, would be okay with, you know, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, having, the, having a really successful trip with the, uh, with, with the, I guess, the semis and beating Boston maybe in six or seven. That, to me, constitutes a, a W or, or a successful trip. But again, I wouldn't be, trust me, I wouldn't be mad if they beat the Bucs in the Eastern Conference Finals or even end <laughs> up in the NBA Finals again. But I do think that a lot of fans, um, they're looking forward to that Celtics series, especially because of the tatum Siakam comparisons and, mm-hmm. and everything that we've seen happen around that. So I think right now, for me, it would be for them to to beat the Celtics, man.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I would also add in the uh, truly insane Kemba Walker-Kyle Lowry comparisons that seem to still be a thing. Uh, that's oh, not even a question. Uh, yeah. I love Kemba Walker. He's great. But come on, what are we talking about here? Um, I think that's a good point you know you're sort of measuring the success of this season against the Celtics I mean that's kind of been a through line all year right is you know they had that game early on in the season where they lost to them but Pascal looked really good and that seemed like a pretty good early sort of milestone for the team that hey they can hang with this Boston team that looks pretty good Um, you get to the Christmas Day game and you know there was so much build-up for that uh, as there usually is for Christmas Day games and usually the build-up does not quite pay off Um, and obviously they lose that and it feels like kind of a blow but at the same time you're sort of rationalizing it's oh they've been hurt they don't have anybody available it's not that big a deal and then they win the next game against boston a couple of days later and it's like well yeah guess what baby they're back to being contenders and right. you know you guys you are kind of always measuring yourself against boston and i'm sure it'll happen again in the series that they're, or the game that they're sure to play. Uh, I think it's like the fourth or fifth game of the bubble for the Raptors uh, as they gear up for the playoffs here, which, you know, has tiebreaker implications and all that stuff. Um, I still think the Raptors have the inside track quite substantially on the two seed. They're like three or four tracks inside uh, or three and a half tracks or whatever, how many games ahead they are. Um, But I'm not, you know, that's still a barometer game for sure because it's constantly the team you're being compared to. And it's certainly the team I think about the most when it comes to the playoffs and sort of matchup machinations and all that stuff. And I highly recommend you go listen a couple of weeks back to the podcast I did with Michael Pina talking about the Celtics because it's a really fun and interesting matchup to think about. Look, I'm going to go deeply on brand here, and I'm going to say, you know, I don't even know if they necessarily have to beat Boston for me to be happy with the way this season has gone. In many ways, I I think you could argue that the season has already been a success. The fact that mm-hmm. they defended their title title so nobly and kind of, I think, entrenched themselves as maybe the most beloved team in Raptors history, even with the title team included in that conversation. Like to me, that is success that they. Came out of, you saw development from OG and Pascal. You saw Terrence Davis kind of take off. Fred VanVleet looks like a starting point guard going forward. Like all of that stuff was what this season was supposed to be about, really. Trying to figure out what the next couple years of the team look like, what the core looks like. And I think those questions have been pretty much answered. You know, maybe they don't have, you know, maybe like Pascal might not be a transcendent number one star on a championship team or anything like that, but he's damn sure it could be a number two for sure. And looks like he figures to be a very good number one on an extremely good team. So uh, I yeah. think, you know, those questions have been answered with flying colors and you get to the playoffs and, uh, you know, if you get swept by Boston in like wizards ass fashion, then yeah, maybe you view that as a disappointment, but I think we, we don't bring if, up
1: 2015. Don't no, bring no. Up
0: 2015. That, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've done that. I'll bleep that out. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, if you, if you come across Boston and Boston beat you in seven or something like that, um, you know, I think that was always going to be a pretty likely possibility pandemic or not. I still don't think you can hang your head all that much. You still have your championship gear to swaddle yourself in. You still have um, the memories of this season. And, you know, I I think an an unorthodoxly exciting and memorable regular season that you don't often see from a team um, where you're able to derive so much joy from it. Like to me, if they lose in the second round of Boston in a close series, I'm pretty okay with that. And, you know, maybe again, that's too far into the, it's fine brand, but um, it's been a while since I got to flex those muscles. So I'm going to do it here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll also say um, half jokingly, half serious. I think, successfully tampering with Giannis in this bubble would also be a successful season for them. Like I'm, I'm only half joking with all of that, but you know, we, we, there's a possibility of it, but yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah. We need uh, some dudes jumping on the bed with Giannis uh, yes. and hanging yeah. out in his room. That's the, yeah, this is hey. that more than a title. That would be the success. Exactly. Look,
1: The, the, the Antetokounmpo brothers, they took a picture all, all three together. And what I was wondering is who ended up taking that picture for them? You know, maybe, maybe a Maasai, maybe a Bobby, huh? You know, just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there.
0: I think you can, it's not even speculation. I think that's just a cold hard fact is it was someone from the Raptors (laughs) taking that photo. Um, (laughs) Just the steady hand required for a photo like that, you know, it only belongs to the hands of the champions. We are going to continue talking about what success would mean for the Raptors inside the NBA bubble in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about Axios. Start your morning with the news that matters most in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Badu and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. That is Axios Today, a podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, I want to tell people about rockauto.com which can save you a ton of money if you have a car and need parts for it which a lot of us do and you know you find that oftentimes the ch- the chain stores the mechanics they're gonna mar- mark it up they're gonna sell their, their parts for much more than they're actually worth and that's proven by rockauto.com they are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they've got everything from engine control modules brake parts tail lamps motor oil even new carpets whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly. See all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. It goes back so, so far, basically to the beginning of cars. And you can, you know, for your classic, if you're tuning it up, whatever it is, you can find the parts that you need, the most used parts for the, the car that you need, or the, uh, the, the, the most affordable. That's, that's the word I'm looking for affordable. That is kind of the overarching theme here of rockauto.com prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box to the know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com all right S. let's continue on here uh first a reminder that you can find me on twitter at Woodley, Sean, and uh, please send your questions and stuff like that. We can get a mailbag episode going here at some point here in the bubble. Send them over to me, please. Uh, S, let's dive in, continue on the conversation with uh, success in the bubble. And I guess sort of let's pare this down to more sort of individual player uh, success because, you know, we've established sort of where we think the bar for success is for the team. Let's sort of go a couple of guys in particular and, and sort of break that down. So Pascal Siakam is the obvious guy. What needs to happen for Pascal Siakam in the postseason? What do you need to see from him for you to view this season, this playoff run as a successful venture for Pascal?
1: I think, uh, you know, I'm accepting and I'm, I'm willing to have some growing pains with Pascal in the playoffs. And I think that's that's inevitably going to happen. It's it's going to happen at some point in time. There's going to be a game or two where he, he just has a dud. Um, and, you know, Raptors Twitter will overreact and, and other people will overreact to it. But regardless, I, I do think, there are going to be some growing pains in this playoffs for him just because he is going to be the number one option. And uh, there's going to be times where defenses are going to be hounding him, maybe even throwing double teams and potentially even triple teams if he's on fire. And I think that's going to be something he has to get used to, especially in a playoff atmosphere when the pace slows down, there's going to be more half half court opportunities. And obviously there's been a lot of discussion about the Raptors struggles in the half court. I I just, um, I think that we're going to see a maturity from him that, we we've seen developing throughout the season and, and not necessarily something that we've seen as like a huge leap, but he's slowly and gradually getting to a point where his shot selection is a lot better. His Mm -hmm. IQ is getting a lot better. And, and just in general, his, his facilitating his ball handling specifically, I think are are two areas that I'm I'm looking forward to him getting a little bit better at his, his vision on the court. I think IQ wise is, is the part where I really want Pascal to grow in this, in this playoffs. And I think it'll happen.
0: Yeah, look, I think there needs to be at least some baked in expectation that, you know, the reason why the Raptors might fall short in the postseason may just be that Pascal's not quite ready to be that number one option, and I think that's fine. Like, it's we're putting a lot of burden on his shoulders to carry over what Kawhi did last year, and it's just not going to happen. He's not going to be Kawhi. He's not going to be drilling 30-footers over Brooke Lopez in Game 5 of the conference finals to seal. I mean, he might, but, like, I would bet against it because he's still kind of learning the ropes of this number one ball handler thing or this number one scoring option thing. I think he's sort of helped by the fact that he plays with a bunch of geniuses and guys who can yeah. also create a little bit in, in Kyle and Fred and, and Marcus Saul. And that's certainly take some of that burden off of him a little bit. But, you know, I think we have to expect that, hey, there might be a game where Pascal goes 5 of 22 or something as he tries to be the number one guy and just can't get to his spots. Or, you know, Jason Tatum gets in his grill and gives him problems. You know, that hasn't happened in the past, so maybe I'm not so worried about that. But, um, you know, there, there are defenders that we've seen, sort of those long, uh, thick defenders who can kind of give him trouble, whether it's a Bam Adebayo or a Jonathan Isaac or a Giannis, of course. Um, you know, I'm less worried about a potential Joel Embiid situation like we saw last year just because i don't think you can guard siakam the same way the sixers did last year and kind of allow him the space you know he's too much of a threat from above, above the break and stuff like that now but maybe ben simmons goes on him and gives him trouble because ben simmons also is a freaky good defender and if yeah. that happens it's you know it's part of the deal as a guy sort of sort of starts to learn and figure at the ropes here and i hope people aren't Looking at this postseason and saying, if Pascal doesn't come out and look like Kawhi freaking Leonard, then he's a failure because he's just not like the, the, the steps he's made this season alone have been absurd for a guy who two years ago was, um, you know, a, a bench rotation guy and, you know, was averaging like seven points a game. The growth has been remarkable. It's been monumental. And it's been kind of like a once in a lifetime kind of trajectory for him. And, you know, if that doesn't lead to fruitful sort of results in this year's postseason and year one of him really taking on the top scoring load that's not the end of the world. And there's still plenty of time for him to figure that stuff out. And also baking the, the sort of expectation that he's never going to be Kawhi Leonard because very few players right. in the history of the NBA have been. And it's a True. pretty unfair standard that was set last year. Um, that doesn't mean he can't be an excellent player on a, on a really good team as a number one. But, you know, I think you know baking in some sort of uh, tempered expectations is kind of the way to go here with Pascal. Is there a particular skill S that you're kind of particularly looking at here? I mean, he's got a few things that, you know, he obviously has been working on this season from his playmaking, as you mentioned to, um, okay. you know, his, his you know, mid range jump shot is above the break, three point shooting, all that stuff. Is there something that you think might sort of mm-hmm. make or break this playoff run for Pascal?
1: I do think it's going to be the ball handling and the facilitating. Um, you know that he it'll be able to alleviate some pressure off Kyle and Fred to do more stuff off ball and, and do some of their catch and shooting that they've they've gotten extremely 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 excuse me good at. Um, I, I do think with Siakam there there's this ability that he has to find players that he's starting to figure out, and even in these scrimmages we've kind of seen it that he's been that guy facilitating the ball for them. I just, um, I think those are the main things for me. I just want to see if he can be a better facilitator, make the smarter passes, um, and just overall ball handling. Just become that guy, that the, the number one option type of guy that we expect. Um, I guess from any superstar. I know you said you don't want him to be Kawhi Leonard, and I, I think that's a reach as well. You really, I mean, nobody can can become a Kawhi Leonard. There's <laughs> there's only a, few, a handful of people that can do it. But I would say the ball handling, man. We, we've seen him have a little bit tighter of a dribble, and I'm sure. We'll talk about another guy who's had a really, really impressive improvement in that as well. But uh, I, I think for him, it's going to be that.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, and I do, I do think. You know there were some growing pains with that this season. You know high turnovers uh, and sort of you know whenever you would have a nice assist game, you look at the turnover numbers and it's like oh they have yeah. the same amount. Um, I think things got a little bit better near the end of the abbreviated season. I think you know I've mentioned this before. The last game against the Jazz might have been the most complete Siakam game to date. Just in terms, of, I think he had five or six assists in that one and was just yeah. really really polished when it came to his decision making and his passing. He's working on those skip passes and stuff out of the post. Um, and again, like it might not might not all come together this year that's fine especially after a long layoff it just it might not be the year that he kind of takes that ascent to being you know a a true blue superstar but he is uh, he's very very good and I I think for me another thing I'm keeping an eye on is that mid-range shooting you know that was obviously the cheat code for Kawhi last year is kind of getting to that 18 foot range when he gets run off the line you know teams like Milwaukee like those are the shots they want you to take and if you have your superstar capable of making those shots uh, that kind of changes the math a little bit and you know that this was the thing that demar did so well right is you know he was got kind of, I mean, the only thing he did he didn't like take threes at all anyway but um you know right. that was such a nice little inefficiency you could exploit as teams are eager to give up those mid-range shots you know pascal i think he's kind of flashing it a little bit and we've seen it you know in fits and starts this season it'd be great to see him put it all together but again i i don't think him kind of flaming out in the postseason which again could very much happen means that it's some sort of failure of a year i think all the steps he's put in this year much like the team as a whole the regular season itself was kind of the success and everything else on top is kind of gravy you want to see positive steps of course but we uh it's not like the end of the world necessarily if we don't see it you know in 2020 we might see it a year or two down the line um we're gonna continue oh sorry go ahead
1: yeah Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'll say, I'll say this real quick as well. I, I do want him to kind of play through the whistle, you know, in the playoffs the, the whistle gets a little bit harder to get. And especially for a young superstar, you want him to be able to kind of play through the contact. And if the call isn't going his way to, to kind of ignore that. So I think that's, that's a big struggle that a lot of growing superstars kind of get into. They, they get annoyed if they don't get the whistle and the call doesn't go their way. Let's see if Pascal can kind of adjust to maybe not getting the call all the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Um, I think we saw at the early part of this year, his free throw rate was pretty low. Uh, That sort of increased over the course of the year, but hopefully that's not something he's relying on necessarily. And, you know, eventually you'll get those superstar calls. Again, that's another thing too, is like, you know, maybe this year he's not quite in the echelon of, oh, we'll just give him the benefit of the doubt every time he drives. And that's another thing that comes along over time. We saw that happen with DeMar even, where, you know, it went from he doesn't get the calls to he's shooting 12 free throws a game. Um, (laughs) I think that's kind of a good place to leave it for, uh, you know, in terms of the success conversation for the Raptors with basketball or the NBA starting. Basketball's been going for a, about a week now with the WNBA, but with ba- the NBA getting started back tonight, I uh, figured we should do some predictions. I don't know. That seems like the podcasty thing to do. So on the other side, we are going to do that, get into some predictions here on Locked on Raptors. All right, S, let's, uh, let's do this thing, man. Uh, okay. For predictions, let's sort of... Look at the the just sort of the top eight and the and the bubble and the, like the the bu- I keep calling it the bubble, but it's, it doesn't work. You have to use a different yeah. word for bubble. The playoff bubble, the eight uh, seed. Yeah. Uh, well, they're
1: calling they're calling it the campus, right? Yes. They're calling it the, yeah. Okay, uh, so know. yeah,
0: we'll call it the NBA campus, and then now the bubble can be back and used towards uh, teams being on the playoff bubble. Um, <laughs> so we'll talk about those teams and, and sort of predict who's going to get the eight seed in each conference, and then just maybe sort of quickly run through our brackets as to who we think is going to make it to conference finals, finals, and who's going to win the whole damn thing. Uh, yes. As let's start in the East with the eight seed. I mean, this is truly depressing, but also, as Zach Lowe <laughs> touched on on his podcast with Kevin Pelton yesterday, I am, like, over the moon excited about the idea of a Wizards-Nets play-in tournament, uh, or, like, the one or two games, because – can we stop calling it a tournament it's not a tournament it's two games uh yeah. it's just it's yeah. two teams playing two games against each other but like the idea of those two teams having the attention of the world as <laughs> it's like they <laughs> they fight for playoff seating just sounds truly delightful to me some of the bizarre dumb nba shit that we love between the wizards the magic and the nets who do you think is going to end up with that eight seed
1: and, uh, I'm not even sure if I could name seven guys on the Wizards or like eight guys on the Wizards. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just – it was tough. I was doing a, a quiz the other day on, on the locker room app, and, and they were asking to name all the players on the Wizards roster that was in the bubble. And I think I got to like seven or eight, and that was about it. So I, I don't think the Wizards have any, any shot at this thing, although uh, I do think they'll put up a good fight – it's going to be Brooklyn and Orlando in that 7-8 spot. I just don't know which one is going to be the 7, which one's going to be the 8. Most likely, Orlando will jump into that 7, and then Brooklyn in the, in the 8 spot, the final spot.
0: Look, man, I'm going to speak this into existence. I do not want the Raptors Magic Series. Like, get out of here! Is boring. <laughs> I want the Nets into the 7. Just get me the Nets in the seven. They have okay. enough good players that I think they could maybe scrape by like three wins here, and maybe that's enough. Like Karis Levert's fine. Joe Harris is competent. Jared Allen's pretty good. Um, then you start running slim, but like it's <laughs> you know, maybe they come across some teams that don't care so much. Maybe they've already locked in their playoff positioning. They're not exactly putting their best foot forward. I would like to see the Nets surprise of teams. Also, of course, the King Jamal Crawford. Uh, potentially yeah. stealing some games. That uh, is something everyone in the entire NBA world should be rooting for. So I'm going to speak I it could into definitely existence.
1: See. Yeah. I can definitely see Jamal Crawford going for 50, game one, Raptors lose, all that stuff happening. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 yeah I believe it. I believe yeah. it.
0: Raptors nets. That's happening two seven, and then yeah, I'll say Orlando gets the eight. Um, I'm so unenthused by Orlando. Like outside of my my good friend and friend of the show Terrence Ross, uh, you know, I, I just I don't frankly care about that team even a little bit. I don't want to see them play the Raptors four or more <laughs> times in a row. Um, Western Conference is a little bit more interesting in terms of the eight seed. Um, you've got the. Uh, memphis grizzlies who are currently in the spot probably the the favorites you've got the blazers the pelicans the kings who everyone forgets the spurs and the suns who probably are too far out of it uh, and shouldn't be in the bubble anyway but hey here we are or on the campus i should say uh what do you got there for the the western conference who's going to get the eight
1: mm, it, it's tough uh it's definitely a lot tougher than the east i do think that it's going to be the blazers and that might be a little bit of a reach for everybody but i think You know, with a healthy Nurkic, healthy Zach Collins, they looked a lot better in the scrimmages. If the foot problem that Damian Lillard is having isn't going to be that much of an issue, I know that people said it might be plantar fasciitis, which yikes. But um, if that's not an issue and they're healthy through these eight games, I don't see why the Blazers wouldn't be in that eight spot or at least in the play-in.
0: Yeah. I I wonder if it might take some time for them to kind of get back accustomed to having not Hassan Whiteside as their starting center. Um, You know, it's obviously a good thing, but um, (laughs) I also think like they're so far behind and winning two straight games against Memphis is still going to be difficult. Like people seem to be forgetting that part is the eighth seed still has the advantage in this and that they only have to win one game. Um, So I'm going to say Memphis gets it. I am rooting for the Kings. Because no one cares about the Kings, and I love De'Aaron Fox, (laughs) and I, I just you know they're fun and weird and stupid, and uh, they're just so hurt.
1: They are hurt, yeah. That's that's
0: for sure. And they've had like a bunch of coronavirus and all that. But um, De'Aaron Fox rules. Bogdan Bogdanovich is very cool. Um, I know Bagley's out, but. I like Rashawn Holmes has you know got out of his his his, uh, quarantine and is ready to play I'm rooting for them I don't think it will be them of course Um, but I think it would just be very funny if they did this whole charade to get Zion in the playoffs and it's the Kings who get the eighth (laughs) seed I think that would be uh, quite funny and some egg on the NBA's face so again speaking that into existence but i think it'll be the grizzlies they got quite an advantage and they're still very good um let's uh then go to in the interest of time we don't have to pick first round series here let's just pick conference finalists in each conference who do you have coming out uh, as a top two teams in the western conference
1: uh in the western conference it's i think it's pretty easy to say that it's going to be a la la showdown Although I wouldn't sleep on either the Rockets or Thunder upsetting at some point. That might mm-hmm. be a little bit of a hot take here. But I, I'm impressed with what the Thunder have done so far this season. They're, they're one of the most fun ball clubs to kind of watch. And um, with with that three-guard lineup of Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and, and uh, excuse me, Shea Gilders alexander shout-out to the Canadian. Um, it, it's been really, really impressive. And they have, they have a really good team. So I wouldn't be surprised at that either. But I think at the end of the day, it'll be a Lakers-Clippers showdown. Yeah, I'm rooting for, in a way,
0: for something to screw that up. I just don't see it being that likely. You know, the Rockets might be able to do some weirdness, but I don't think they have, um, you know, the horses. I mean – I don't think they can beat the Lakers. Let's put it that way. I think maybe right. there's a world in which they beat the Clippers if the Clippers still don't have their guys and, um, you, know, they, you know, Lou Williams is slow to recover. I think Lou Williams in the playoffs is also a dicey proposition always anyway. Um, and, you know, they, they, I think if the Rockets can take advantage of a team by playing that insanely small style, it might be the Clippers – I don't think they can hang with Anthony Davis playing center or LeBron at the four. That seems uh, like it's going to go very, very poorly for the uh, as bad as the rest of the supporting cast is there. Like Davis at the five feels like the trump card to the yeah. small ball Rockets lineup. So yeah, I'll go Clippers-Lakers as well. Although, you're right, I'm rooting for the Thunder. Chris Paul rules. Shea Gildas-Alexander rules. Steven Adams is fun. I'm rooting for them to uh, to pull some sort of crazy upset. I just don't think it's terribly likely. Although, like a 1-4 or 1-5 in the second round lakers and thunder might be uh yeah like maybe one of the series of the playoffs that'd be pretty fun uh and oh yeah Yeah. i could certainly talk myself into some weirdness there but i think davis lebron is too good uh eastern conference what you got for your conference finals
1: um i i think this is also a a fairly simple one although like like i said earlier in the show celtics raptors is going to be you know a really really competitive series potentially seven six games I it's a toss up at that point as to who's going to win, but I do think I still favor the Raptors to win that series handedly, just because of what they can provide with Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol on the offensive end, especially because the the Celtics don't necessarily have that big that could guard them. Like no offense to Daniel Tice, but I just don't see it happening. Um, Bucks, Raptors, conference finals, and then um, you know at, at that point I'm just crossing my fingers.
0: Yeah, um, I I'm glad you're not one of these people who's picking the Heat to beat the Bucks. Um, the okay, heat... well,
1: actually, let me let me, oh, let me no. preface this. I did on one of my podcasts say that there was a. They, they, I would say that the Bucks are going to be in more trouble if they face the Heat in the second round. It's just I could see them doing something crazy, but again, it's really really out of the ballpark. Like it, it might, it definitely won't happen. But I could see it. I could see it. Yeah. No, <laughs> damn
0: it. I am not, I, I'm not being talked to the Heat being even better than the Sixers, man. They're fine. Like, Jimmy Butler is great, obviously. They have, like, three guys who can shoot. They have, like, no lineups yeah. with all good defenders or all good offensive players. There's going to be a liability at all times. I just I don't buy it. I really really don't buy it. Like maybe a couple years from now when like Tyler Hero is like more of an adult and Duncan Robinson is a better <laughs> defender or whatever. I just there's I I can't get on board. Like they're gonna lose in the first round to Philly. I'm pretty sure. I, I I'm like pretty confident in that. And I wouldn't yeah, even pick them as like too. a clear favorite over the Pacers if the Pacers. Yeah, I know they don't have Sabonis obviously, but they've been yeah. really good with Turner just at center. So. Um, I, you know, I, I, the heat, they're, they're cowards and frauds is what I'm trying to say. Of course. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: especially, especially Andre Aguinaldo, especially let's just pinpoint him too.
0: He's very fraud, old and not that yes, good anymore. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like he's just no, not right. yeah, yeah. Um So yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm, this is a staunchly anti-heat podcast right now. <laughs> uh, I think it's Raptors uh, bucks as well. I don't feel terribly confident that the Celtics won't beat the Raptors. I think that's a, like an extreme coin toss series, Um, and would be much easier to pick if we knew who was going to have home court advantage because I think you just go with that but um, I think that's a really really good series I think the Raptors have a little bit more versatility to exploit there so I think the Raptors go to the conference finals Uh, your finals pick S what you got
1: all right okay let's do this Um, I uh, when I was a kid when I was when I was just growing up I was a huge massive massive Los Angeles Lakers fan, not anymore, obviously grow out of it. You become a huge Raptors fan and uh, that, that's become my life now. Obviously I think the child inside of me would love to see a Raptors Lakers NBA finals, not only because of my own childhood, but because the Raptors will finally defeat the Los Angeles Lakers and end the Lebronto narrative. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's beautiful. It's a be- it's poetic justice. I've been saying it this whole time. It would be, it would be, it would be poetry. That's what it would be. I I think it's perfect.
0: Is that that your pick? Raptors over Lakers in the finals. All right. I can get on board with that. There you go.
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's confident. I know. It's confident. I know.
0: I don't think I can go that far. I think the Clippers will be the Lakers. I think they have just more good players, and Kawhi is amazing, and I, I don't want to bet against that dude in the playoffs. I think we'll see the kawhi Giannis rematch in the finals. As much as I think the Raptors can give the Bucks a lot of problems, I do have a bit of reservation about them scoring on the Bucks offense in, in four mm-hmm. of seven games, enough to win. And so I will uh, begrudgingly pick the Bucs to win in like six or seven. Uh, but I do think the Clippers beat the Bucks. And as a result of which, Giannis uh, thinks long and hard about his future with Milwaukee as Kawhi does the Raptors a solid and uh, <laughs> beats the Bucks in the finals. <laughs> Kawhi wins his third title with a third different team. And uh, he's dubbed the best player in the NBA, unquestionably. Uh, that's yep. kind of how I think this is going to go. As much as I think the Clippers are not by any means like this sort of impenetrable fortress that a lot of people seem to think they are, I think Kawhi is absurd. and Paul George is as a number two to Kawhi. Uh, it works pretty damn well. Whether playoff P is uh, a <laughs> is a misnomer or not, <laughs> uh, you've heard it there. We got two different finals. That's great disagreement. Is, oh, yeah. is lovely, and at least you've pandered to the crowd here. Uh, I've had a rough week for the audience as I went on locked on Pistons <laughs> and talked about Fred VanVleet leaving for Detroit. So I saw uh, that.
1: I was heartbroken. <laughs> I was heartbroken. All right. In
0: fairness, I'd said that's not happening. He's probably staying in Toronto. But you know, you have to humor the the sad. Uh, destitute Pistons fans once in a while. Sure. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. S, where can people find you? Do you have anything you want to plug?
1: Uh, yeah, you can find me at JustSBarahini on Twitter. Um, you know, I do a weekly game show for the Raptors on Raptors Republic. It's called Whose Take Is That Anyways? It's a lot of fun. You should definitely check it out. Sean, we'd love to have you at any yeah, point man. in time. Also, just wanted to shout you out because I've been noticing all this C E B L work that you've been doing, awesome job, and uh, you know you're great on those broadcasts, man. Oh, thank
0: it. you, man. That's very nice of yeah. you to say. Um, yeah. yeah, follow us. This is great. He also uh, makes wonderful Avengers videos, uh, yeah. which I believe that, that was pair- Baby Groot.
1: If I think is- you you yeah. were Baby Groot, yes, you were hey. Baby Groot. But I, 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 you know, Baby Groot has a lot of cool things to him man
0: oh he's outstanding he's he, he can't be beaten he just uh he, he dies and comes back reborn i'll take that any <laughs> day of the week um that's uh yeah that's gonna do it for today's show find me on twitter at woodley sean subscribe to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast watch the cebl on cbc gem and cbcsports.ca as well as the cebl's twitch if you're outside of canada uh, i'm doing broadcasts over there uh javon shepherd former and future guest of this show is my uh, partner on there amy Audibert, one of the hosts our co-hosts of our new lockdown Women's Basketball Podcast is doing Sideline. It's all a good little family down there uh, in St. Catharines. as I, I actually have to get on the road quite soon to go and call Fraser Valley against Ottawa. Um, nice. Yeah. So that's going to be on tonight. If you want to watch that in place of the Zion list Pelicans, which we don't know if that's going to be the case yet, but if he's not playing, you should definitely be watching me instead. Uh, because I'm a narcissist. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's <laughs> show. We'll wrap it there. As Thank you for coming on. And uh, everyone, please go make sure you're checking out all the Locked On podcasts uh, covering your teams ahead of the returns of sports. Locked On NHL's had a great week. Lots of awesome stuff over there. Uh, might I recommend checking out Locked On Oilers? Earlier in the week, Tom Gazzola over there had Rick Olchuk, who is the assistant GM of the Seattle Kraken, on to talk about the Seattle Kraken's uh, genesis and sort of where they're going next as an expansion team highly recommend you check that out uh and with that that'll do it we'll talk to you again on friday as sabrina merchant from SB nation joins the tee up the lakers game uh here on another episode of lockdown raptors